Hello, and welcome to the Homeschool Sanity Show, your prescription for happier, healthier homeschooling. I'm your host, Dr. Melanie Wilson, Christian psychologist turned homeschooling mother of six. Let's get started. Hey, homeschoolers. I met Phil and Aaron Ulrich at the Great Homeschool Convention in South Carolina. I fell in love with their books and with Phil's writing story. I invited him to join me on the podcast to discuss advice for aspiring writers. I know many of you would like to write or have kids who love it. Before I share this inspiring interview, I want to thank my sponsor for this podcast, Voyage Course. Hey parents, if you have a high schooler, then I need just 60 seconds of your time to hear about an amazing program that was designed just for them. Voyage is an online life prep course with five dynamic modules. We take students through personal development, career planning, college planning, financial responsibility, and everyday living. They'll learn about purpose, brand, strengths, smart goals, how to fill out a job application, how to write a resume and a cover letter, how to prepare for a job interview, how to look at their college path, researching majors, filling out college applications, financial aid, scholarships, campus life, financial responsibility, the different types of accounts, establishing and maintaining healthy credit, budgeting their money, personal health, nutrition, navigating an airport, buying a car, and so much more. There's tons of life skills in Voyage that will help prepare students for life. Learn more about Voyage Course at thriveacademics.com slash voyage dash course. You can also find the link in the show notes. Now for my interview. Here's Phil. Philip, thank you so much for joining me here on the Homeschool Sanity Show. I am excited to get talking about the topic of the day. But before we do that, I would love to have you introduce yourself and your family to us and tell us why you started homeschooling originally. Okay, well, my name is Phil uh, Ulrich. Um, as I'm talking, you probably recognize that I'm a, bit, a little bit of an accent, <laughs> so I'm originally here, um, and uh, my wife is Erin, um, I have two daughters, um, ages 17 and 15, and um, we homeschool them. Uh, my, my wife and I met as missionaries in Hungary and ended up moving to the States when our first daughter was born, so uh, we kind of had to go halfway around the world to meet each other, but um, just kind of fairly international family. Um, we started homeschooling, well, to tell you the truth, we don't know anyone that homeschooled. In Australia, homeschooling is far less common than it is here. I've never met anyone or heard of anyone even in Australia um, that homeschooled, so it was a very foreign concept to me. Um, but as our kids got towards school age, um, and then and I were talking, she said, I would really love to homeschool them. And um, it sounded great to me because I would I I loved you know, having them around and thought of them going up to school was <laughs> just mm-hmm. kind of a little bit heart wrenching. Um, but I was like, 
can you can you really do that? <laughs> you know, can, could you really teach them and and them get everything? And you know, I, I was I just had never seen it done. You know, and I I knew that people were doing it and that they were making it through, but I was just like, do you think we can do that? And so, but we we started out and it was um, it's been great. I mean, we have homeschooled them ever from um, when they started school and. The, the oldest is we'll have we're going into the last year of high school this wow. year so. wow <laughs> so, I mean, it's definitely had you know challenges and bumps along the way but so glad that that's the path we took right well um i'm i'm not surprised that you're glad <laughs> yes. that you that you took that path because so many people i talked to and and not just here on the podcast but families online who decided to start homeschooling because of the pandemic, they're grateful too. Um, so yeah. it's, it's really a blessing um, that we have the freedom to homeschool in whatever circumstances come our yeah. way. And their, yeah. their, um, their curriculums and, and the communities we've been part of have pushed them far beyond what I experienced in school. <laughs> I mean, oh, yes. They, they were pretty, you know, early on in the high school years. I was like, okay, this is way beyond where I, <laughs> where I got to, you know, like the things that you were studying. Just, I wish that school had been like that for me. You know. Oh yes, same, same for me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but now we have the opportunity to learn along with our kids. But yeah. we we could go off and talk about how great homeschooling is for our entire time together. But I really wanted to shift gears and start to talk about writing and, um, you know, the, the writing journey. So many of the homeschool families who I'm associated with because of my curriculum, Grammar Galaxy, are very interested in helping their kids develop as writers. So I wanted to talk with you about that because you have had a journey as a writer. So can you tell us what your background in writing was before you started working on the Growly books? Well, I will say, um, I was, in school, I was a very bad reader. Um, <laughs> I, I grew up in like a little country town and, you know, walked to school bare feet and just was always outside imagining things off in a dream world and um, got really behind in my reading. And when I moved, we moved to the city and I was way behind, like, years behind and had to just math. They gave me piles of books to read every day that I had to try and catch up what I'd missed and really grew to hate reading. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'd never really got a, a, in high school, I was really struggling um, as a reader. And my English teacher, he said, what if I gave you a book just to read for fun? No assignments. I was like, I, I don't think I would enjoy it. He said, just give it a try. And so he gave me The Hobbit. And I took it <laughs> home and just loved it. And from then on, um, just couldn't get enough of books, reading for fun. Um, and I think that's really where I would say I started. But I think a lot of people would start, if I was going to say, where do I start being a writer? Is just get a, get a love for reading books. Find, find a genre that you really like and enjoy. And just read and read and the the way they write, the thought, the way they think, 
it starts to get into your subconscious, I think. And, and, um, and so when you do actually start your own story, you'll have a, a it's like learning music, you know, you, you, you will have the, some of the techniques just there within you. Not that you're stealing someone else's techniques, but they'll just become part of, of you telling your story. Um, so that, that's where I, where I started. I, um, on leaving school, I did a lot of music. I was, so I really wrote songs. And um, I think in that, doing that, I really learned a lot about um, words and rhythm, um, which I, f I found as, as I wrote my first book, played a huge part in telling a story well or in an interesting way that's your own, that has your own style um, was, you know, the rhythm of sentences. What really, how does it feel? Like when, you know, sometimes a sentence just doesn't feel complete just, or, you know, it needs this a few more syllables just to, and um, so I think um, I kind of, I used to see um, songwriting and story writing as very different, but I just, I do see that there's something really musical about writing stories, or there can be. I mean, you can write a story and just have the facts, have what this happened, this happened, this happened. But I think where the, the, mood, the mood of the story comes and the, the atmosphere comes is there, there's a rhythm and, a, and a, that sometimes it speeds up, sometimes it slows down that you can use in storytelling that is, is really musical. Um, I studied film and television production. And so um, that, that was to me was storytelling. I, I never thought I'd write a book. It was all visual. Um, but as I, again, as I was starting to write um, the Growly books, I, I imagined the scenes like a movie, I, I, as if I was standing there watching this happen. Um, and so I think that not everyone thinks that way, but for people who love movies, it doesn't mean you can't write a good book because if you can imagine a movie in your mind and then find a way to explain that to someone, um, it can really add, we, we often get a lot of compliments saying, wow, we just love the scenery in, in the book. Mm. And um, that to me was just a really important part. I just loved looking at it myself in my mind, imagining it, um, and then exp finding ways to explain it. I mean, I had to Google a lot of types of plants or trees because, uh -huh. <laughs> um, you know, I didn't know the words necessarily, but I could see what they look like in my mind. And um, so there is a very visual part of it I think all of those things are connected in storytelling um but yeah I had never attempted really writing much at all as far as a book or even short stories until starting with growly books so <laughs> yeah wow. that's that was my journey to to doing it you know I and I love how you described it I mean you just you described it like a writer I'm just gonna tell you <laughs> um but I have to be honest and tell you that I was so touched when you said you had a teacher who said, what if I gave you a book to read with no assignments attached to it? That just, that moved me so much because I think it is such a tragedy when we um, remove the opportunity for a student to enjoy a book because we do associate it with, you know, a lot of boring 
um, assignments, you know, um, mm-hmm. we should absolutely be giving our kids reading for the joy of it. Yeah. Um, you know, I understand that, you know, we want to give assignments, um, especially as our students get older, but there has to be dedicated time to reading for enjoyment. Otherwise our kids will never read for enjoyment. And we know that reading for en- enjoyment it's, it's not the, the highbrow literature, but it is the fiction reading that kids do that gives them all the academic and even life and relationship benefits um, yeah. as they grow. So I just had to do an, an editorial yeah. <laughs> interrupt well, there. On, on that subject, um, I mean, I went back after, after school. I, I probably read most of the books that were assigned that I just never, you know, read the cliff notes or... I went back and read them for fun um, and really enjoyed them and got a lot out of them um, because I had a, I'd acquired a taste for reading and even just, I like reading manuals and encyclopedias. You know, I, I just enjoy, got an enjoyment for reading, but I had to get that first. Yes. Um, yes. Otherwise I, I hit a wall every time I faced a book. So. Right. And my husband uh, was the same. He, finished college and became a book salesman and was selling K-12 books to librarians. And, you know, he, he finally decided that he wanted to read what he was selling. <laughs> so <laughs> he, he became an avid reader and loves, loves, loves books now, loves reading. Um, and so it's never too late. So even if you have an older student who would just no, nope. <laughs> doesn't, yeah. doesn't love it. Don't give up. Don't give up and, and yeah. help them find books that they love to read. Okay. So now I want to yeah. get back into our, <laughs> our topic. This is something that's near and dear to my heart. So thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah. So with that background, then why did you start writing the Growly book series? Well, um, I guess when I, when I gave my heart to the Lord, I just, one of the clear things I sensed, because I was like, what do I do with my life? And one of the clear things was, was kids entertainment. And it made no sense at the time. It was just one of those things that I just really knew the Lord was saying that. Um, and I had come out of, some, you know, a background that definitely wasn't kids entertainment. It was, um, and I went into missions for a long time. Um, and when I, we came back to the States and our kids were young, I was just out knowing the Lord one day. The lawn one day and just it was like okay you need to do, you need to do, get started on that now and so to me it had always been music because that was what i'd done what i was familiar with and so um i recorded a kids music cd like a preschool um and we pitched that to a production company that was doing shows for pbs nickelodeon and different different ones and as a kind of a variety musical show um and they were gonna we were about to kind of go down that path really felt just didn't feel a piece about that road and um so we stepped out of that and we're like okay what was all that about lord mm-hmm. <laughs> you know like we felt like that was a place and then the doors really opened but we just didn't feel a piece about it and um it was a couple of years later um there, there, was, there were a couple of, of characters in those songs one was growly um, and another was Chippy, and 
they were very different characters. Their, their part in the show was very different, but um, that was where the names came from. Um, but I was, a few years later, I was going to sleep one night, kind of had this little dream, and it was about this bear that walks into this village, and he's um, just curious about what's going on. Like there's a farmer digging in the field, and he's, he's just curious. He wants to try what digging is like. And so he goes over and asks, you know, motions to try and dig. And the farmer thinks that, he's, that he wants to help. And he's thinking, wow, what a kind creature that just wants to take over. But, you know, the, of course, the bear just wants to, he's curious. And so he's going through the village and um, trying all these things out of curiosity. And everyone's just like getting more and more excited about how kind he is that he's doing all their work for them. <laughs> so it's kind of this song is building. It was just a funny music video. And the next morning, um, I told Aaron about it and I said, you know, I just had this dream. I had this song in my head still and I wrote it out and, and wrote out the chords and everything. And I said, I, th I think this is like a music video. And she said, I, I really think it's a story. I mm. And I said, what do you mean? She said, you know, we, one, we can't do a music video because we just haven't got the finances mm -hmm. to do that right now. But where did the bear come from? And why is he in the village? And where is he going? I think there's a story there. And um, so I was just like, well, could I do that? <laughs> <laughs> um, so I went out and wrote, a, kind of wrote out a synopsis of maybe where the bear came from and maybe where he was going um, and sat down to start writing. And, of course, it was nothing like the synopsis, but mm -hmm. um, I started writing and that it just day after day kept growing, you know, so... That's that's where it's, it it began. It was not intentional. We were our day job. We had a business um, doing design. We still do do that, but we we're doing a lot of books for people, layouts and um, eBooks. And so we just thought, okay, we know how to do all this stuff, and it's not going to cost us anything. You can give it a try. If it doesn't work, don't have to show anyone, but just give it a go. Um, so that's what I did, and. Um, that's where the start, the first growly book started. So. Okay. Now, now did Aaron have um, an interest and a background in, you know, putting books together, um, laying them out? Is that why you were in that business or was that a different a path? Um, neither of us had, had had a background in that. Um, but she, when we did the music CD, she had started blogging as well. Um, kind of with the thoughts of, okay, we'll, we'll connect with other parents with young kids. Um, but she, she's a great writer. I mean, she's very talented. And um, so she had had a blog and other bloggers had asked her to help design their blogs. She, she's very good um, with coding and all that kind of thing, just self-taught. Um, and so we, after a while, we had a blog design business and um, I, I'd had a background in, or had done a lot of graphic design, visual graphic design. Okay. Um, and it was kind of the era where ebooks were getting very popular. Um, and we did, I did a cover and we put together an ebook for someone and it went, it was very popular. And from then on, we just were doing it full time for um, many years. Um, so it was kind of everything was self taught um, and still is. <laughs> that's just something that, that's always yep. changing. Um, <laughs> But she, she actually wrote a book about self-publishing um, before the Growly book. Oh. So she's, she's the, 
she's the writer. I mean, I'm a storyteller and I'm learning writing, um, but she's a, a writer. Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> um, well, when, the, when she yeah. saw the first, the first chapter of, that I had written for the Growly books, it was, the whole thing was one paragraph. <laughs> I, I just had to get the story out there somehow and I wasn't going to think about anything. But <laughs> and she just said, I, she, she said, I couldn't hardly breathe. She said, you know, <laughs> she said it just was almost too much for me to look at. <laughs> well, I, I love that so much because there, there is a lesson in Grammar Galaxy um, where the paragraphs on paragraph planes, they're, they're overcrowded. And so they, they become documents are one long uh, paragraph. There are no breaks. And so that, that just cracks me up, but you are, you are leading me to my next question, which is what did you have to learn then as a beginning writer? Because you were a beginning writer with developing the Growly books. Well, um, you know, I'll, I'll say I felt like, well, I don't have to learn it because Erin's going to fix it because <laughs> <laughs> she's, she's an incredible editor. But what I learned was um, all those rules are there for a reason and mm-hmm. there's things I'm trying to communicate that I can sit there and try and explain it to her um, and um, it just takes a lot of time. Whereas if I can learn the, the language... Um, same as in music, if I can learn the the right chords to play, the right notes, and show it to someone, it saves a lot of time. And so, and and it makes me more effective as a storyteller and setting scenes. Um, so that was a big thing. Was I? Um, I and it hasn't been. Well, I've t- I've taken a course. I, I really like to. I haven't had a lot of time to. But it's been. She, she was really gracious to explain, you know, what she was doing as she was editing mm-hmm. and looking through what, what I'd written, where, where I could say things in a better way. Um, and I got better at listening to her, her <laughs> 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 and remembering. Um, and so by the last book that I'd written, um, was doing a lot better in that area. Um, so that, Definitely just grammar has been a, a big part of it. Um, let's see what else I had learned. Um, big thing I learned from the beginning was don't wait for it to feel right um, because it never does. I don't know that there was ever a day where I, before I started writing where I really felt like it or felt that it was going to be a good day of writing. Um, I, I always felt like it's going to be a disaster and I'm going to ruin it today. <laughs> So, um, so I, yeah, I, I, um, that was something that I faced every day was just, I would wake up, Lord, I'm going to wreck this. I I don't have anything in my mind. I don't know where this, where this chapter is going to go. And I would just, would feel just since this is what I felt like as I would pray was, would be just write the chapter title. Okay. Do that. Okay. What's first sentence? How does it start? Mm-hmm. Get that down. And after a while, I, I would realize I'd be at the end of the chapter and there was characters, events had happened that I'd never had in my mind before then um, had, had appeared. And 
I think a lot of times you feel like you have to have the whole story and every chapter, every scene in your mind before you launch. And I, that, that, I think you never will write a book if you do that. Mm. Most of there was a few points I aimed for along the way that I knew I really wanted to be in the story. But pretty much most of it, the best characters, the best scenes, and came as you just stepped out. So um, yes, I, I have to agree. I have to yeah. agree completely. I mean, that's how that is how I write. Um, I have a basic concept for a chapter because each of the chapters in Grammar Galaxies Galaxy yeah. are uh, short stories, and so I have a basic concept. I know what I want to teach, um, but I never know exactly what's going to happen. And I'm often just as surprised <laughs> as reading. Yeah. Like, oh, wow. That happened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, like there was a, um, in the first book, begin, um, there's a, a scene where, you know, Growl is having some guests over before he leaves on his adventure. And um, just, and I knew one of them was, the library, local librarian from the village. And I wrote, before I really thought about it, that there was someone else who was coming. But, and so there's a knock on the door and Growly goes to answer it. I'm like, I don't know who's with her. Uh, I got no idea. All I know is I'd said earlier that there was someone else who was coming. And so I just thought, okay, um, made up this name. And it turned out she became really one of one of a lot of people that I know and my favorite characters and she got a book of her own in the series. Um, but so she cool. was just the total throw of the moment, um, arrived. <laughs> um, and, you know, her, her story built as time went on. She didn't even appear really until the fourth book, but she was talked about. Um, and I think that that's just a lot, a lot of the time, that's what you're going to find is you're, you're on the adventure as well. And, um, you know, you don't just, if you go into it expecting good surprises, you're going to have a good time writing. If you go into it thinking you have to know it all and be safe in knowing that and knowing that it's going to turn out good and well, and uh, you're probably not going to finish your book because it's, yeah, I, this my, I had another point was just um, don't worry if you don't know what you're going to write and also don't try and make it perfect. Mm -hmm. Just get the story out as whatever way you can do it. You know, for me, it was one long paragraph at first. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, and, and it was with what I felt comfortable with, which was visual, um, you know, a movie, I was, I thought like it was a movie and explained it like it was the movie. And um, Aaron helped me go through after that and say, well, if you, this will help it be a little more clear to people mm -hmm. because you're explaining a very visual thing, but you do need to, you know, tighten up this or, the, or that, you know, you can, you can adjust your weaknesses later on, but I think if you can just keep going with the story um, and come, just know that no one has to see it. You can, but really um, you can just get stuck and stop thinking it has to be perfect before you move on. Mm -hmm. And also another thing I'd say um, is um, find someone you trust, but don't show it to a lot of people mm -hmm. and get a lot of opinions because the story is not done. <laughs> you know, they're just seeing a small snippet and they're comparing it often to 
books that have been through five or 10 edits that are bestsellers by, you know, <laughs> right. and, you know, it can really discourage you mm. unnecessarily because um, who knows what your story is going to be by the time you reach the end and have gone through the process of really refining it. Mm-hmm. Um, Mm-hmm. just early on just really guard guard that yeah and um you know the grammar even though I'm the grammar person the grammar is not primary when you're mm-hmm. writing a story that is the icing on the cake um when when the cake is baked then the grammar can be um tweaked right yeah and and something I learned too you know you you get better at those things that you're weak at as you go along. And I would definitely say if you can get it as good as you can <laughs> in the sure, first sure. round, then it makes the second round a whole lot more fun. <laughs> it, <laughs> right. There's not so many red streaks and, you know, like in editor's right. notes. Um, but yeah, I think, I think it's, it is more important to get the story out and then to have someone with editing strengths who can look at it with perspective because sometimes this is something Aaron Aaron would say to me too is you think you're explaining this but it's in your mind and you think it's been explained because it's in your mind but for other people they're they're studying on a blank slate Mm -hmm. so you have to over explain some things that would seem to you to to make total sense or you know and she said so that's why it's so important to find someone outside of you, <laughs> so, mm-hmm. you know, and really I, I would suggest even if you're married to an editor and, you know, find an, someone who's totally as well outside of your family, outside of, you know, because they, they can give you a perspective that um, again is different from someone who's been hearing the bits and pieces as you've gone along. Right. They just look very objectively and, can tell you what you're explaining and what you're not explaining because you can you can easily i found that I was, I was so surprised at how easily you think you've explained something or you've described <laughs> something and for someone else it just doesn't make sense <laughs> or I, you know it just it's not clear I, yeah and i think every homeschooling mom who's listening to this knows exactly what you're saying i think i've been clear yeah. like what you're supposed to do but yeah. apparently not <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> Well, I, I feel like you've already given such excellent advice for aspiring writers, but do you have anything else? Like if we have a young person who is listening to you and they would really like to write and publish their stories, do you have any other uh, tips for them? Yeah, um, I would say this. For one, I think, um, you know, a good start for doing it. I think, I think writing a synopsis is a really good step because it, I think it helps, you know, if you've got a story worth, you know, worth telling, even if it totally changed. For me, I just, I'd say write a synopsis, but be willing to let it go as you start writing, because that's what happened with me. I look, the synopsis I started with, almost everything is completely different, turned out. And that was just part of the journey I went on and, and the adventure. But, um, but I think doing it, it gave me the confidence of, okay, I see a story that has a beginning, middle, end that could really be a good story. Um, and it gives you that 
I mean, you want to go out with expecting surprises, but also I think you want to go out with the confidence of knowing um, I'm going to, I'm going to finish this. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and yeah, I think you, a synopsis will help you do that. Um, I would say think of the essential points of the story and the scenes. Cause that's what really helped me was I knew there was certain scenes I wanted to get to that were going to be really key in the story. Um, and there were chapters in between where I had no idea what was going to happen, but I knew where I was heading mm-hmm. and it wasn't the, I didn't have, it wasn't so far away that it was like, wow, that's the end of the story. It was like, no, I got, I've got another three chapters and I, and I know this scene is going to happen. And, and so as I was writing those other chapters, there was, there was kind of a build, mm-hmm. that natural build that I knew this, I was heading to this point and things, you know, surprises came, but it wasn't totally without a, a framework because I think when you do have some boundaries it helps you it really helps then mm-hmm. when everything is just totally unlimited I think um let's see um write as consistently as possible um again even if you don't feel like it when, I, when I'm writing a book I, I try and say you can't do it every day but I try and say okay Monday to Friday I'm going to do at least an hour um, every day. And I'm going to do it really for me. I say, I'm going to do this at this time Um, because um, otherwise it'll get put off and you'll get out of rhythm and you have to go back and try and remember where you were. And I think Mm -hmm. that it's so much easier if you have a mindset of, okay, I'm, I'm running a book and you're, you've got that atmosphere around you and in your mind. Um, another thing I'd say is count the cost. And I'd say, I'd say that count the cost of writing the book because there is a lot of mm-hmm. time that's going to go into it, um, depending on how you publish it, finances as well. But also count the cost of not writing the book mm. because I think there is a real cost of, and I'd say this for parents too, um, you might have a story that you're, saying, well, I, I always, now I, I meet people all the time. Oh, I always wanted to write a book. And I just, to me, it's like, okay, then there's a cost in not writing that book because maybe you're supposed to write that book. You know, my, my grandfather wrote a, a um, manuscript and it's incredible. Like I, it has so impacted me and mm. I hope to be able to publish it one day. Um, but he sat down and wrote it, not knowing who was going to pick it up and read it. Mm-hmm. But it, it has so moved me. And so still every day, I mean, not, I wouldn't say every day, but when, often it will come to my mind, parts of that story. Um, mm-hmm. And so writing your story doesn't, that's, there are so many different forms of ways that that story could be used. Um, and, and especially these days, I mean, mm-hmm. 40 years ago, it would have been you had to go through a publisher to try and get your story out. There wasn't really any other way or, or sit around a fire and tell it. But now we have, there's blogs, there's, um, there's traditional publishing, there's eBooks, there's, um, lo- all, there's growing ways of your story getting out there to millions of people possibly mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, with very little cost to you. Um, you know, it's great to have a in the hand paper book 
uh, and I, I, I love that. That's my kids didn't want to hear the Growly story until it was a real book, you know, <laughs> 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 which meant it had to have a cover and, you know, like they had to oh, do the yeah. finish. And so, but I, I totally get that. But we forget that stories are having impact every day mm-hmm. in all kinds of different forms. And um, a paper book is, is just one of those. So um, I would say, yeah, just if you, if you have a story, I'd say, you know, because you could say, well, I could never write a book. It's just I've got time. But, okay, an, an hour a day, um, you know, which you could take away from scrolling or from TV show. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying those things. I mean, I know you have to unwind and people have a lot going on. But an hour a day, you could get, you know, for me, if I can, if I can spend couple of hours a day on a growly book in a in a month and a half or two i've got the, the first draft mm-hmm. pretty much ready to, to go into the editing so a month and a half you know <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and you could have something that could impact someone or could be blessing to someone or you know who knows what how your book could be used or the lord could use you know mm-hmm. what you write, write down so um mm-hmm. i would say Count the cost of, of doing it. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna take you time. It's gonna take effort, heartache, embarrassment. You know, there's gonna be bad reviews sometimes. Um, but count the cost of not doing it as well, mm-hmm. because you might get to a point where you just don't, can't do it anymore, and you oh I wish I'd done that. Mm-hmm. And it may be generations following would have kind of wished we had done it too. You know. Yeah. So mm, such good advice. I love it. Well, I would love for you to tell us more about your books, about Growly books. You've given us some great um, hints, I think, um, <laughs> about what what is involved in the Growly books. I have seen the cover, um, the covers uh, of the books because I met Phil and Aaron in a booth um, at the Great Homeschool Convention, and I was so thrilled to to meet you and. Let me just tell you that the covers are gorgeous. They're just absolutely gorgeous. Um, and the, because they are, this, the books just seem so enticing. But because we're on audio format only, I would love to have you just give us um, a picture of what uh, we can expect in the Growly books. Yeah, it's um, Growly books. It's a series about a bear um, who these bears all live in a village on the top of um, some cliffs, which are really impossible, impossible for them. Um, so they've been there for um, almost over a thousand years um, in this village, generation after generation, never going beyond. Um, and, but at one point, one bear had gone over the edge of the cliff in a glider and had never been able to return again. Um, and it's, it's a friend of, of Growly's grandfather. And so Growly, who's the main character, um, all bears of his age have to go on an adventure, which means they have to go away for three months during the summer camping by themselves and come back as a kind of as a grown bear or as a young bear ready to start life. And so he's about to go on his adventure, receives a mysterious message that maybe um, his grandfather's friend is still alive. And so sets out to try and find him and bring him back home again. 
um, the series is uh, currently five books. It, it starts off with a trilogy. Um, and you could read those first three books and come to a conclusion mm-hmm. and go no further. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, the, the fourth book we wrote, it's, it's about the, the, girl, the girl bear, the surprise one that shows up. Um, and it's the story of what happened in his village while he was gone. A lot went on for them as well. Um, and it's, it tells a lot of um, some of the things that set the scene for what will happen um, in, in the future after those first three books. Um, and then the fifth book, which came out at Christmas time, um, is the start of another, uh, I wouldn't say a trilogy, because I always say we'll, we'll do this me and Aaron says, don't promise anything, because you know, <laughs> don't say it's going to be this. So I get say, it. <laughs> I'll say there is another book that will follow this one at least, um, which tells um, some more of, of Growly's story. So, okay. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's got themes of courage and perseverance, friendship, um, and the reading level is probably about eight to twelve year old, but mm-hmm. a large majority of, or a large percentage of our readers read it as a family, read mm-hmm. aloud. There's, there's no, there's no villains in the story. Which I was, um, as as I was starting to write, I said, to Aaron, I said, I, I don't think there's going to be any bad guys in this story. I said, or even anyone really mean, or you know, I just I feel like it just doesn't seem to fit. Um, and I was like, well, can you have a story like that, mm-hmm. that is interesting that doesn't have that? Uh, so it kind of got to be a challenge for me. Right. And really the, the challenge for Growly is his nat- the environments he has to travel through and time and just trying to, d- trying to solve where this, this bear might, have, might be, and, to mm-hmm. be and how to get him back home again. So, um, so there's a lot of action. Um, a lot of mystery and adventure um and it's it's a kind of what i love visiting as i'm writing I, sometimes I'm, I'm like it's, it's like a breath of fresh air to go to a, a beautiful world I, mean, it, it, I kind of it was fun for me to just exaggerate the landscapes you know make the mountains taller than anything we know or make the oceans wider or um the, the jungles deeper and the trees bigger um but it's it's also a place where people i mean the char- i say people the characters treat each other with respect and kindness and really try to help each other mm. and so for me it was just like a bit of a breath of fresh air <laughs> right go in growly's world for a little while. <laughs> <laughs> we can all use a little of growly's world yeah just growly you know, for just a little bit <laughs> Yes. Well, um, you are going to generously give one of my listeners um, a, a copy of your books, right? So I'm, yeah. I'm so excited about this. Yeah, well, uh, we would, I'd like to give just a, a personally signed set. Um, so we sign it to your kids if you let us know the na- their names um, with bookmarks and some frameable um, illustrations that our illustrator, um, Annie Barnett is just incredible. I mean, you said, mentioned the covers, but, um, she just really captured, we, we didn't know how to work with illustrators. We just sent her the story 
and said, mm. draw what, how you think it might look like. And she sent back just like a rough cover sketch of Growly. And it was just like, <laughs> in behind, you know, it's, it's, the Growly you see on the, on the first book, he's, he's facing out into the, mm-hmm. the, the jungles and um, just, you just see him from, from behind with his backpack. But from the first time I saw that, image of him is like you she got it exactly you know yes um so in the interior illustrations as well just really captured the the style the the type of writing that it the book Aaron said you know I started out with the growly books were going to be kind of a quirky comedy you know a little bit edgy not as edgy but just kind of like with robots and you know like it's just kind of a funny weird thing and it turned out to be she said this just feels old fashioned, you know, like a old fashioned story. Like, um, and it really is. I was surprised by it and just, it was very, very different than what I started. And, but Annie really captured that in her illustrations as well. Mm -hmm. Um, just a really simple, innocent look to it, you know? Yes. Yeah. Well, I know my listeners are wanting to get a look at these books and get their hands on them too. So where can they do that? How can, my listeners connect with you and find these books. Um, they can get a website, go to our website. We've set up a special page there um, for homeschool sanity listeners. It's um, thegrallybooks.com slash sanity. So there'll be a special page there with information about the books, with um, links to freebies. We've got um, maps and um, illustrations, activities they can download, um, videos they can watch. Um, and we'll have some special deals on there as well. Some, we're putting together some bundles just for your listeners. Um, and um, they can also explore the rest of the site as well, thegrallybooks.com. So. All right. Wonderful. Well, they're going to want to do that. And I would highly recommend using these books as family read-alouds. That has been one of the biggest blessings of homeschooling for me, just the time that we spend reading as a family. And uh, I think these books would be a fantastic addition to your read aloud library. Well, Phil, this was wonderful, inspiring. Um, Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy writing and um, convention schedule and summer to share with us. Oh, it's been great. Thank you for inviting me and I've really enjoyed it. You can find links to freebies, information about the Growly books, and some special offers at growlybooks.com slash sanity. Enter the giveaway for a full set of books with personalized inscription, three frameable illustrations, books, and stickers by commenting with what interests you about the books at the show notes page that you can find at homeschoolsanity.com slash aspiring writers. That's aspiring writers. Thanks again to Voyage Course for sponsoring this episode. Have a happy homeschool week. Thank you for joining me. Happy, healthy homeschooling can be yours. It begins with one small step. Let's continue the conversation on social media. I'm at Psycho with Six. This has been a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network.